Well, hey, Gundam Maniacs, welcome to the Gundam Explained show. I'm Adam Blue. Joining me, Steven of Midnight Hatter. Steven, what's up, man? Oh, man, just hanging in there. How about yourself? Oh, doing good. I just forgot about I have that cool little volume slider for that awesome music. Um, that oh, starts. Yeah. I, I love being able to have that music like fade out, but I got to get better at it. No, I've had a busy morning myself, so really, I just last minute got this stream uh, going, but I cannot miss these streams. You made it. You made it yeah. right in time. That was <laughs> no the. Uh, I'm telling you, my Wednesday and Thursday, like back to back, us hanging out is like such a nice little like breather of being able to jump into my hobbies. You know, yeah, it's, I, it's, I would not rather I, I would not spend my lunch break any other way. This is yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. No, even so I um, you guys for you know spending your lunch break with us as well. Yeah, I know exactly. You know, a good good point on that because who do we have here? We've got Gundam Wing who came in early, which is pretty cool. Goose Talos in the house. Jamkel X, good to see you. Um, yeah. So yesterday on Steven's channel, we had Amac from Fetty Scum, who. I think I think if if you saw my show last week with AMAC, it was just interesting to talk about Gundam, but like Steven's show yesterday was more in line with what AMAC and Fetty Scum does. A lot of tabletop talking. I learned a lot about tabletop stuff from yeah, that. It, it was a very fun conversation. And I, I had a few questions kind of queued up that I was gonna drill him with, and it was so funny because prior to the interview starting he was like hey i've got all of these uh materials that i want to share with you oh was like, that's all right well we're gonna do it let's get into it yeah and it's cool though that he he then understood that he like knew what level to talk on mine and then on yours too and the the coolest thing out of that was learning about this morkborg game like uh, it's just a book it's not expensive and it has some basic rules i think that's and he was saying it's a good starter game i just like the way it looked just the art yeah. in general so I might jump into that, I think. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but yeah, no, we'll have a cool show today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Giradoga Kai because it it's another GBO2 release. I think that kind of helps me pick out what I want to deep dive. Um, For sure. But also, uh, I just want to talk about some, you know, how Bandai is marketing Gundam, how they've always marketed Gundam in the U.S. And like, has it really changed now since it seems like they're trying to push it more? I don't know. And then maybe we have a background in marketing, so maybe we can kind of uh, give our two cents on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think what, what's going to be interesting is I have, I have some comparisons that you're going to appreciate because there is a similar marketing, let's say, arc between Gundam and Star Wars. And I know you love Star Wars. Oh, so, oh yeah, that so would I'm, be I'm very interesting. To that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that. But yeah, before we get started, you know, just um, want to remind everybody that I'm going to be at GalaxyCon in in North Carolina at the end of the month. Um, we'll do like a quick little meet um, with some uh, other people from the Gundam Explained community, um, and then maybe head to Hangar 18 Hobby Shop. I forget what it's called, but yeah, that. So yeah, if anyone's going to be in the area or wants to be in the area, just heads up on that. Um, and then I think that's it. I know... Um, yeah, for those that are part of the Patreon or the YouTube membership or whatever, uh, there are some commentaries that are up right now if you're interested. Uh, Behind-the-scenes videos. There's, so, there's a backlog of stuff by now, but this month I'll have another behind-the-scenes, another commentary. I did uh, So uh, another perk with the supporter thing is a monthly like sync with the supporters. And I did one earlier this month. It's usually the, the first Wednesday of the month. And... Um, 
the idea was to uh, for me to go over the original Mobile Suit Gundam to do commentaries for, which I think is I might as well. I might as well start there instead of jumping around. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah, and Galaxy Con's only a three-hour drive for me. So if if I can uh, convince the missus, then I will I will join you guys down there. So that we'll would be what... awesome. That yeah. that would be awesome, and it would be cool if somehow, if it's not too much work, we like re- record a uh, a show. That, yeah. that would that would Even be just sick. a short one, like a like a half yeah. hour. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, no, but uh, let's see. I'm going to ask you, Stephen. Anything Gundam related you got into this past week? Um, you know, not a not too terribly much. I am uh, about halfway done with the the 3D. 3D print Patreon perk for for the month of August. So I hope you guys are excited about that. It's actually going to be a a pack, which is something I normally don't do. Um, so a pack of 3D miniatures. Um, I'm referring to them as mobile suit chunkdom. Uh, oh, because, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've uh, discovered like some modeling tricks in order to get some some like bigger proportions, like almost Warhammer 40k scale. Yeah, uh, mobile suits. And so, yeah, my my plan is to have a nice pack of, you know, models that will go together. You know, you're going to have a Gundam, you're going to have a Sharzaku, you're going to have a Zaku one, things like that, that. And maybe if it becomes a trend, then that'll be the monthly goal going forward is like, mm. now we're going to do the ground war sets. Now oh, we're going to do double yeah. 80 sets, you know, so uh, we'll I got to get in on this. Like it was just so funny because I I was talking to you know during my day job my boss today, and he was showing all these minis he's been printing and I didn't know he was so deep into that because he's got multiple he's got the resin and the filament uh, printers and so with the resin and he they're minis that he's making based off he writes books <laughs> and so he has these books with characters and he's making the minis and he's also trying to build an RPG out of that and I'm like dude this guy's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's making me even more like want to, you know, I have my Ender 3 mm-hmm. and he was telling me how like nowadays a lot of printers you buy can auto level. And I get, you know, my Ender 3 is pretty old and it, a lot of the reasons why I don't get back to it is because all of the manual work I have to do to set it up. But I would almost rather want to get a resin one so I can print your stuff and like I, we talked about, like, I feel like I found the fun in painting when it comes to minis. Like, painting at that skill is just kind of fun for some reason. Yeah, I think that there's a little bit, you know, similar to how there's a lot of maintenance and upkeep with a 3D printer in general. There's mm-hmm. a lot of maintenance and upkeep when it comes to painting Gunpla that you don't get with miniatures, right? Like, yeah, that's you right. Know, you have to get the airbrush out. You have to, you know, do all this prep work and make sure, because obviously with a kit that's, 144 one to 144th scale there's no room for like little smidges and texture in your paint you you have to have that paint thinned out it has to yeah. be clean and crisp i know it's it, yeah it, it's been interesting like how this hobby has evolved for me um and you know one thing my boss said that i, I think rung true with me is he you know he's older than me not by a lot but he just got into rpg uh tabletop for the first time interesting and he's a, like i'm surprised it took me this long and I, I feel like it's a lot of that with hobbies with me and i and i wonder yeah. if it's just all the video games i just really played when i was younger it's like there's no reason to get into any other hobby you know yeah, yeah i but. mean it, it, 
and I think that video games are a good gateway. And we, we talked about yeah. that uh, yesterday, you know, um, yep. a Mac talking about how final fantasy kind of brought him into tabletop role playing. So it's, that's pretty I, neat. I think that there's some bleed over. Yeah. And so speaking of video games this week, I, I was really into the Gundam video game stuff. Like obviously I'm playing GBO two all the time. I'm having so much fun with that. Like I've gotten to yeah, the point, you're not getting your free polls every day. Then what are you doing? <laughs> I know. I, it, and that's what's so crazy. Between PC and the PlayStation version, I'm actually going back and forth doing my dailies on each. But the game gives you so much stuff. It is just crazy sometimes. Like the suits I have, the weapons I have, um, learning. Like, for instance, so I had talked about the Rise from the Ashes Gundam Dreamcast game. And I even like streamed a little bit of it like a couple weekends ago. I finished it this week. And it's funny because I barely remember anything of the game. Like when I was playing, it was like, I kind of don't remember any of this, but <laughs> some of it I did. Uh, um, but the one thing I did remember is like that white dingo sort of squad or whatever. So yeah. in GBO2, they have one of the white dingo GMs and I've been having so much fun. Like I bought the decal to put on it and I adjusted the nice. painting to look more accurate. And that's just a cool element to it. And then, you know, Talos suggested using the early type uh, uh, beam prototype weapon or whatever, where it's like a single shot and it's super powerful. And and that just kind of changed the gameplay for me. It, it made it a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But I'm going to do a full review on that Rise from the Ashes game because it is crazy how much it holds up. Like, I feel like yeah. the game could be released today and maybe a few tweaks to the controls and it and obviously the graphics and people would be like oh yeah that's a a neat modern that's mech triple game a, triple a title right there yeah yeah man I, I tell you i still get goosebumps hearing the the vish donahue like attention fetty ace oh yeah and, you know when he's coming out in in the uh Gelgoog and you're just like oh man <laughs> yeah that it's on that's neat you say that because that was still a very impactful part of the game when he comes like where I felt scared like oh I'm going up against an ace other than you know just the random troops out there and they really make you focus on like how you're fighting and all that I, again it's really well done and and that's funny because I I was like man I want to play more games that feel like this so I tried some mech warrior 5 and I was like no it's still just an arcadey they make it feel like you're you know, moving in a mech, but then once you're just shooting, it's there's not much to it. And yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird how it's rare for like the mech game to really exist. The mech video game. I don't know what that why that is, but yeah, there's definitely a secret sauce that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is that that makes it an ideal mech game. My first PC game was actually Mech Warrior 2. Oh, well, sweet. I mean, if you don't count like Reader Rabbit and that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reader Rabbit. MS-DOS games. But... What was the one with, wasn't there one where you would do math and you had like a little alien that would move across oh, the, man. doesn't that sound familiar? What... Oh, yeah, I, I definitely did that. Because when you said uh, Reader Rabbit, that brought back this alien in the math game. We'll have to look that up. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh you know, and then some other games. So I was like, okay, I beat this game on Dreamcast. What are some other classic games I can get into? And so my thought was getting the, um, uh, oh, Math Blaster. That <laughs> has to be, yeah, there we go. Thanks, guys. Um, but uh, so I got the Saturn. I wanted to try the Blue Destiny games. But then I found this other game that was made by Sega. 
for the Saturn. It just called Mobile Suit Gundam. I was like, okay, let's check this out. And it is like exactly what I've being someone that loves loves like the 16-bit side scroller games. It is like something that came out on the 32X because I loved the 32X when that came out. But it's a side-scrolling game where you're Amuro in the RX-78 too, and it each level is from the show. Like it, it covers all of Gundam and uh, of the original Mobile Suit Gundam, and it has brand new animation that's in between. That huh. ninety, so you're getting ninety-six animation of the original Gundam redone with the voice acting. And what's cool is it's a side scroller, but it's like the side scroller of the time where the gimmick was there's enemies in the background and the foreground that will pass by. And then the same sprites, they're just bigger. And it's yeah. just seeing it just, it looks gorgeous. It's like, it, it, it's, and maybe you have to, and I know you appreciate that time in gaming, but like seeing all the effects they threw at the Saturn to make a 2D Gundam game that's just for the Sega, that's uh, made by Sega just for the Saturn to show off the Saturn capabilities. Like, if I was a Gundam fan then and played this game, I, I, it would blow my mind. Yeah, and, I mean, you're describing, like, a, a side-scroller journey to Jaburo. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And so I'm going to do a review on that, too, because I haven't beat it yet. I'm pretty far. It is, it, though it is very hard. Um, it's, it's, well, it's like about it's, retro gaming that a lot of people don't appreciate is that gaming used to be very difficult. Yeah. And it, while like the main levels are easy to go through by the time you get to the end, you, your health is so low that you'll die at the boss. So it's like, okay, I have to be careful as I'm going through the level. So then when I'm at the boss, I don't, you know, have to worry about that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm soulsy. You have to memorize the enemy patterns as they're coming and yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. That's funny. It, and it makes me think how Souls really just is the 3D interpretation of classic 2D games. Really. It's yeah. just, you know, because that stuff was on one single, like, plane and it was mapped out. Whereas 3D games, it's more of things are just thrown in there and then there's a mechanic you use, which is fine. But, um, yeah, yeah, that game, awesome. And so it, the the last thing I want to add to before we move on is... And I brought this up before, but the Unicorn game on PS3 is, I never hear people talk about it. It it has great graphics. Yeah, it's from software, so the the Souls guys. And it's what's cool about it is when you play it, 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 the controls, it functions almost like you would be more functional. Like when you engage the thrusters, you press a button. And to turn off the thrusters, you press a button. So it's not like you hold down the boost. And when you want to switch weapons, you have to hold down another weapon or another button to initiate the button for the weapon. So it's like you have to like configure the controller as you're playing to do mech stuff. So it's it's surprising how and that could lend to like maybe why people don't talk about it because it's a little more on the hardcore side. Yeah, I, guess. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to like map a steel battalion controller to the <laughs> to the functions Dude, of Gundam Unicorn. That that would be a great idea. In fact, I think someone did that with um, and I think it was a, a PS One dual stick uh, controller for GBO two, which that would work. So cool. Yeah, I know that would totally work. Um, that's my next electronics project. 
Yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. I, I graduate from LEDs and dude, you know. It all, dude. You could three D print the casing in the the sticks, and then you just wire it. You, I bet you could do it. Probably. <laughs> just a matter of should you. <laughs> no, but uh, no, that's about it. And you know, I I haven't built anything um, recently. Um, you know, mainly because I've been disappointed. I haven't been able to top coat because of the humidity here. Um, yeah. and the, the last review that I did that went up was for the, the 2021 robot spirits Penelope, which is yeah. a beast. The, the disappointing thing. And I talk about it in the video is that like the stand is just a crap. St it doesn't hold the weight. And yeah. I, I think that's a common thing I've been seeing with the robot spirits is they have this like stand that they use on all of them that just don't work. It, it works for small ones, but yeah, I mean, you really, and especially at that price point, you really should be getting a sort of bespoke stand that's designed for that specific kit. Uh, you know, I, I or you know, figure, sorry. Um, you know, it's like it reminds me of the difference between the Master Grade 2.0 Zeta and the Verka Zeta, where the 2.0 Zeta comes with that, you know, oh, flight yeah. stand that's designed to support it. Yeah, no, it is interesting. You know what? Yeah, I have my Verkaz Zeta right back here. And as cool as it was, just it was just underwhelming in the end. Like, I haven't even finished putting on the decals. And it didn't... Yeah, yeah, there's something about it. It was too simple of a... For getting a Master Grade, it was just Master Grade in size, not in scope of, like, it doesn't have the Mega Beam can, whatever the gun's called. It Yeah, it doesn't have... Yeah stand the the 2.0 has the that like uh, launcher deck right doesn't it yeah so that's so, weird I mean, yeah it's definitely lacking in accessories it's it's interesting because you know you'd think that and maybe it's a dare i say a weakness of the zeta gundam in, in and of oh. itself right is that it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles that are associated with it beyond just transforming you know you pick right. up like a ground gundam and you've got the weapons rack you've got you know, yeah, different that's weapons right. that you can swap out like a machine gun, beam rifle, bazooka, missile launcher. So it's like whenever you pick up like a ground Gundam kit, it's it's amazing because you get all these extra, you know, bits and bobs. But with the Zeta Gundam, that what you see is what you get. And so yeah. for them to even remove the high mega launch or hyper mega launcher, it's like yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. what that's the one accessory you get. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. So I bet it's just going to be like an option parts set later down the line or something. I don't know. I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in why I haven't bothered. Uh, yeah, uh, putting yeah, panel line panel lining on. I need to do it. It's just now, have you yeah. transformed it yet? No, <laughs> I haven't even bothered transforming it. It's like as soon as it was done, I just felt so underwhelmed with it. I mean, it looks cool. Like, just it, yeah. seeing the Zeta looks cool. But other than that, I was like, yeah. I actually went back to my Atlas because I'm trying to finish that up. But the more I'm detailing the Atlas, the more I realized that's another one they kind of fumbled because there's so many parts that are not the right color. And yeah, I guess I understand there's a degree of painting, but there's like the, the sub legs and the arms that stick out on the side. Those are supposed to be white, but they're all black. So I'd have to go in and paint that, which is fine, but that's just like a lot of work for something that should have just been cast in white. And yeah, yeah, yeah it seems seems like an odd choice to have done that. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, lots of little things. Though. So that's kind of a fun. The Atlas is kind of a fun kit if you like the little details to paint. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, so um, yeah, I wanted to move on real quick uh, and talk a little bit about um, like marketing Gundam uh, in the West because you know I think it's almost criminal that I didn't really understand or get into Gundam until. I did, considering how I went my whole life playing video games, buying collectibles, and, and, and maybe part of that is the video gaming aspect, especially in the 90s and 2000s, how gaming is a gateway for a lot of things, and it's very I was a big gamer. I loved that Rise from the Ashes on Dreamcast, not knowing it was Gundam, but then seeing all these games that never got released, you know... Um, in the U.S., although you know, I got to admit, what's crazy is I never played a Gundam game on the PlayStation or PlayStation Two, even though a lot of people say that's where they started. Right? Yeah, I mean, the PlayStation Two, I think, was kind of the heyday of Gundam games. I think the only one that right. I ever played on PlayStation was Gundam Battle Assault, which was you know just a generic fighting game. Ah, uh, so that wouldn't have that much of a like of an appeal in general, really, and even so, yeah, the PS Two you're saying had more of the story-based oh, definitely stuff. yeah i mean yeah. between the the gundam versus titles and zionic front there was a lot going on especially innovation of gameplay wise you know yeah especially i i think you would agree that in the early playstation days there were so many mortal Kombat and street fighter clones floating oh, yeah. around that yeah. every fighting game just felt like oh well this is you know i'm just gonna go play street fighter instead yeah why would i exactly that's why when something like guilty gear came out that was like amazing because it was like taking that 2D animation to the next level or stuff yeah. like Dead or Alive. For me, it was like virtual fighter, but not as blocky, you know, and and you mean you yeah. didn't like Eternal Champions? <laughs> Actually, dude, I loved especially on the Sega CD. I don't know if you ever played the Sega CD version. Oh, yeah. Oh, because not only was that music awesome, and you can listen to it right off the CD. But it had the Cinekills, which were fatalities, but they were like CGI. And yeah. It didn't it have like twenty hidden characters, and one was a chicken. Yeah, and the I mean, chicken can uh, you can have a farmer appear to cut off the chicken's head, and that gives you like a hyper ability. As far as Mortal Kombat clones go, Eternal Champions was like, man, the, they they went above and beyond what they needed to do. Yeah, yeah, that I was shocked with how fun that Sega CD version was. Like, yeah, and 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 so that's another thing when I. When I was talking about that Gundam game that came out on the Saturn, like that would have been an interesting one to bring to the U.S. that they never did because Sega CD had the Batman game, Batman and Robin, I think it was, or Batman animated series game, and it had it was its own episode that wasn't aired. Like it had its own animation, um, and it was a car combat game. It, It was still fun, but it had its own animation, and yeah, you know, for people that. It's interesting because at that time, if you'd never watched the Batman animated series, but you were playing Sega CD, that would be a way to be like, wow, there's actually, that's good animation. There's a show of this. Um, but yeah, a lot of media tie-in stuff going on there. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I don't think they do justice with that nowadays. Like, for instance, and maybe this is a bad example, like, why is there not like a Mandalorian game? like that came out alongside season two where it plays yeah. through. I think, you know, they have the Jedi survivor stuff, but it's like, 
you know, that's cool. But it's almost like I miss when games were like a playable version of a movie or a show. And yeah, and, and that's triple A titles. You know, yeah. they can be kind of I think you you commented uh, a couple weeks ago about the Evil Dead game that, that came. Oh, out. yeah, that's right. It's like solid game. You know, n- no, it's not going to win game of the year, but, yeah. you know, it, it does honor to the franchise. Yeah, it just it represents that world like you can feel like you're in it, even if there's not much to it. If you love Evil Dead, it's like it's awesome. Um, So when it comes to marketing, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, we saw that it was like the late 90s where and it was 99 where Bandai first had the original Gundam trilogy translated, but it was a different company. That company actually did the the um, dialogue. Um, was well, not subtitles? The um, dub. There you go. Dub, yeah. For Rise from the Ashes, also, it, and and that was pretty neat. So it seemed like there was an attempt there, but something happened where it stopped. And I don't know if it's because of like G Savior. Did G Savior kill it? But there was something that happened where can't be it late late 90s early 2000s there was it seemed they were trying to push to the west and then they sort of stopped you know i i i find that very interesting would you say since you had followed gundam for so long that you kind of felt that as well oh definitely i mean it was it was interesting how much content there was swirling around and um you know i feel like part of it could have been that I graduated high school, went to college. I still kept playing Gundam versus Zeta Gundam, Zeonic Front. I was still involved in the stuff that I really enjoyed. But it did feel like things kind of dropped off, you know, really mm. suddenly. And you mentioned, you know, they had Sega Saturn uh, and Sega CD games. They ha- they were out on the Dreamcast. I think what really hurt them was the was Sega going going under. I think mm. that you know, especially from the video game perspective, they had put all of their eggs into the Sega basket with a few Sony titles, you know, obviously on the PS2. But then when the PS3 hit, you know, you had um, Crossfire or uh, Target Insight, depending on, you know, which localization you were playing. Yeah. And, you know, could be a combination of, we mm. see this with every PS launch, right? Is that the initial games that come out on launch day really don't do that well because the playstation is kind of a slow this is it's kind of a slow burning console if you think about it not still still to this day not a lot of people are playing ps5s yeah and it's very interesting too because like i didn't learn to appreciate the ps3 until later in life and for me the ps4 that was just the machine to play gbo2 on yeah other than that like there's not like oh that game that's only on ps4 like i you know that is interesting you brought up the Sega thing because the Saturn did have the, and it's three games of Blue Destiny. It had three games. And then the Dreamcast had the Rise from the Ashes. And those are like pivotal, awesome Gundam story games. And then, yes, yeah, Sega dying sh- shortly after the Dreamcast. I mean, even for me, that I hated that. And, you know, I was like, ah, I can't believe. Yeah. And there was times where, uh, you know, Microsoft was trying to bring... Uh, Sega in when they launched the original Xbox they because and for me that's where gaming picked up because for instance Dead or Alive 2 was on Dreamcast and later PS2 but then Dead or Alive 3 was on Xbox and it was that's and first person shooters were coming out on the Dreamcast you know and I got used to the left 
uh, analog being to look and the right to go forward and backwards. So when the Xbox came out, I played everything Southpaw until Interesting. over some over time, games would get released that didn't have the Southpaw option. So then I had to teach myself to then play correct. I don't know, but um, <laughs> right. it, it's kind of weird. And it's telling like, to me, that set shows the Dreamcast wasn't that popular because Southpaw Dreamcast was a Southpaw FPS uh, control scheme, but that didn't carry over to Xbox or anything. Um, I, yeah, I find that very yeah, strange. I think that a lot of and, and the N sixty four had a similar like first person controls yeah. setup where it was like your strafing was naturally on the look axis, so it was like you would move, but then yeah, even the yeah the Golden Eye game didn't. There was an option to use two uh, controllers actually so that it was funny the but yeah that was an interesting thing with the n64 like the n64 showed first person shooters can be on consoles i think dreamcast refined it because it had like it had uh, unreal and quake 3 on dreamcast it was crazy and then um and then i guess xbox i guess with halo's success it, yeah it really took off but yeah. so other than the video games i guess the other part too is um you know, as Bandai's marketing Gundam is in like, uh, you know, the late 90s, I guess one of the problems maybe, and, and I don't know what this is. So for me, I was in high school and I didn't care about anime because all I knew was Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon or whatever from what people talk about. And then, yeah, they had the Toonami thing, but still to me, that was like, oh, that's just an extension of it. And like, while Gundam is anime, I felt like it had a potential to be marketed differently. Like, yeah. like sure. almost like the time slot Ninja Turtles had in the late 80s, where I think it was like Sunday evenings. Like, it, it, it's like Gundam could have been, especially the original, or even 8th MS Team, could have been like put on, you know, where it's not targeting, oh, this is just for anime fans. Yeah, well, an 8th MS team, a lot of people watched it late at night on, like, the Toonami, like, Adult Swim time slot. So it was like, you know, you were watching it at, you know, 1230 at night, you know, especially, like, on a school night. Um, and, you know, and, it didn't air in that afternoon time slot the way that um, a lot of the other. Oh, that's interesting. Did. So, and that was a weird transitionary period for Cartoon Network and Toonami because they started doing the whole Adult Swim, like, like the late night tsunami and and then that kicked off the whole you know aqua teen hunger force and all of like the adult cartoons yeah right which which see that's what's interesting because i think that those adult cartoons are cool but it's like in the gundam is a little more mature it's not necessarily adult it's not necessarily kids like i feel like there's a better way they could have gone about it but maybe they just didn't know how to I mean, it's so limited marketing TV shows in the 90s. Like, what channel? Um, you know, yeah. like, what time? I remember, you know, I brought up this up before. The Starship Troopers CGI show came out like 6.30 in the morning on Kids Cartoon Network. It was the only yeah. place to watch it. I doubt anyone really <laughs> watched it. I mean, how could you, you know? Um, yeah. Precisely. I mean, yeah. and I mean, I think that there was probably a dearth of gundam content that was really appealing you know they were kind of trying to reinvent things with you know seed and all these new au's that they were um coming out with at the time you know not a whole lot of 
uh, UC stuff. So it wasn't it wasn't until Gundam Unicorn that all of a sudden, you know, interest in Gundam kind of oh. got reinvigorated right around like 2010, 2011. Okay, that's yeah, because see, I hadn't been into Gundam then, but that kind of makes sense of like when I look at games that got released since then, um, other shows and all that, because I think, yeah, when I, I said when I got into Gundam like 2018, they had just released narrative on Amazon, but like, to, and, and, and that was pretty interesting. It was like, oh, yeah. okay, so they do have, you know, modern Gundam shows, but then looking at things like MS Igloo, um, and then like the Reconquista and G or Gundam Age, those are things during that time period where you don't hear much about it. Yeah, you know, people weren't, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't really attract a lot of fans, and um, you know, maybe it was kind of trying to create Gundam for different audiences, but uh, yeah, it just didn't quite land in the West. I think, and could could have been that they weren't interested in appealing to Western fans at the time, but. Yeah, so then, you know, we look at right now where it looks like this is that next push from the late 90s, you know, early 2000s of like Gundam again, because we had, you know, Hathaway on Netflix. Um, it was delayed a while, but Cuckoo's Doan's Island, I mean, got a dub, which is pretty amazing to think of. Yeah. And then like SD Gundam Battle Alliance being this multi-platform Gundam game on PC, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, which that's like, wow, Great idea doing that, but why SD? You're not going to appeal to the Western <laughs> market when it's SD. If they had, as much as I think that's a fun game for what it is, yeah. like I think it would have been a lot more successful and interesting if they just did normal proportions. You know, um, I agree. And I mean, the difficulty curve doesn't lend itself very well to, yeah, that to younger players anyway. Yeah, exactly. In and that's the other part of it, too, is the game plays exactly like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but that was never talked about. That was never because it's interesting how Marvel Ultimate Alliance kind of has its own sort of niche in like third person action RPGs where it's really just about the action. But the camera's at a certain spot, you know, and then the way there's more of that grindy, spongy element to fighting enemies or bosses and the team play, the co-op play is a big yeah. deal. And that was missing from a lot of the talk online about it. Um, and that's interesting because the Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 was a Switch exclusive. So it was the first time being developed by a Japanese developer. The first two weren't. And it was exclusive. On, so Nintendo saw the value in in that uh, style. Of yeah. Game. And then so when the ST Gun and Battle Alliance comes out, it's not exclusive, which actually is a good thing. But then it just doing that SD sort of thing and it's like you know although what's funny about it though it doesn't start sd because the opening movie is normal scaled and then they get transported into the sd world yeah. and it's like why why even you know i just wonder and i don't know if this is true is it where like sd is just easier to program or develop or something i i don't know i yeah i couldn't tell you um <laughs> and i wonder if it's just one of those minion things where it's like they feel like the cutesy looking things are going to work but you know luckily it was popular enough where they even were able to eventually roll out that aerial which for mercury dlc so i mean yeah. and then pulling the gather road gm into uh oh yeah gbo2 yeah that's right so, and then but i think that that should have been if you had a save file from 
Gundam Battle Alliance. You yeah. should have been able to get that for free. Like, yeah, that would have been that would have been a cool kind of cross promotion yeah. thing. But, but you know, um, yeah, another thing with it is, um, that, let's see, it. I don't know if like, what we're gonna get next, you know, gaming wise. Really, I know that there's that G Gen Eternal, which yeah, is gonna be mobile, mobile, which that's a good idea for a mobile game being one of these G generation games, but also that it's going to be released in the U S because the yeah. engage you see engage not being released here. doesn't make sense because yeah. part of it too, is it's retelling the story again and again, how many people in Japan really need you see retold to them over and over. Whereas in the West, you know, I, I'm glad you bring that up because that is, that's where I want to sort of, Okay. and tell a story about yeah. about Star Wars in 1986. Okay. Because what you see is when like after about 6 months after Return of the Jedi, you saw the popularity of Star Wars drop off a cliff. Nobody was buying the toys, nobody was, you know, engaging with Star Wars. And they had a couple of little attempts to kind of reinvigorate uh, reinvigorate the audience with you know the droids cartoons and comic books oh and yeah Ewok comic Ewoks. Books, things like yeah. that um but ultimately what really saved star wars was was two major things was they re-released the vhs's as a special edition with oh the lenticular yeah covers in the early 90s yeah so you had a whole new audience that had never seen the original movies now exposed to them on vhs which was a huge huge benefit and then the books and George Lucas saying like, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of doing this stuff, but you guys run wild with it. And so you, that's where you got like the Thrawn books and things coming out. And, and that in, in combination with obviously, you know, a lot of the merchandise that was, that was coming out at the time really brought star Wars back um, where, yeah. where it could have just died after return of the Jedi and, and the flops that, you know, were the droids and the Ewoks. So similarly, you look at something like Gundam, which is, you know, Japan's Star Wars. Yep. And one of the things that I think has been a major misstep is that we haven't had any re-releases of the original series, you know, apart from, you know, credit where it's due, Right Stuff has been doing a great job, um, you know, taking all yeah. of the old series and releasing them as Blu-rays. But they have two major problems is either A, they are, you know, they're they're expensive yeah. for what they are. Yeah. Um, you know, you're getting clam, like a, a plain kind of clamshell, you know, for, right. for the price. I would expect like a collector's edition, you know, yeah. I mean? like like the like the Lord of the Rings sets where it looks like a book. type. It's almost deal. like they're just targeting people that already know it. Exactly. Yeah. So either they need to be more affordable or they need to be collector's editions. Yeah. And that's going to make make the appeal um, or and then. You know, the, the other option, of course, is just to release them on some streaming services, because I, I know for you and me, there's there's two two big questions that we always get from people trying to get into Gundam is where do I start and where can I watch it for free? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, if you sell the rights to, to stream it on Crunchyroll, you're only going to get more anime fans. But if you yeah, sell the rights exactly. to stream it on Netflix or Hulu or something like that, then you're going to start engaging a wider audience. Because honestly, I don't think people want a new show that's going to appeal to their interests. They just want to be able to watch Gundam. Yeah. No, exactly. You brought up a lot of good points, especially some I didn't think about after Return of the Jedi. 
the Ewoks, the droids. It was like continuing to like try to appeal to kids, almost like narrowing just kids, 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 where it's kids that like the more adult facing things that happen. And I think that's the same with Gundam. So in that applies not only kids, but you were saying like with anime fans, if you put Gundam on Crunchyroll or Funimation, well, those people already know about it. And people that are not into anime are not going to subscribe. Um, I th- that's why I think it's cool that Netflix has, you know, the movie trilogy. I think it would be better if it had the show, but yeah, also I don't dub version of the trilogy. Exactly. Like it doesn't even have a dub, which they should really put effort into redubbing. I think yeah, the, uh, get the cast of origin and redub the movie yeah. trilogy. Yeah. I think that would be a good idea. And so that's another cool thing though. Hulu does have like unicorn and origin and eight MS team, you know, so that that's pretty cool. But, Another problem with streaming services is there's so much content and you never really know sometimes if there's something interesting unless you happen to search for it. Because all that gets pushed to me are like modern shows or whatever the shows everyone's watching. So it's like, I'm not getting anything interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard to, uh, you know, it's usually when I find something on streaming, it will be, I hear about a cool movie and then I search if it's streaming somewhere and I'm like, oh, wow, Hulu has this. And then, you know. But at the same time, it, what's interesting, a lot of these companies that have streaming services are realizing they can't make money that way. So then they're removing their movies and then selling them to the other streaming services. So it kind of goes back to like, not everyone's going to have every streaming service. Right. So I do then think it's good that in, in aspects of marketing that Bandai is doing right is when they will ever once in a while release a Gundam show on their YouTube. Because that is the modern way sometimes to consume stuff is, you know, watching on YouTube and, you know, having it on there. You know what I would love if it existed? If it was like 10, 15 a month where it was like a Gundam streaming service, it was every Gundam animation uh, and you could choose dub or subtitle. The new stuff comes out. It's there. But if you don't want to subscribe to it, maybe you can use another server. You know what I mean? It's like I, th- I like the idea of having something for people along with what's not yeah or you can use the a la carte method that like um amazon has a lot of success renting movies out and and youtube oh yeah you know you can rent movies on youtube which a lot of people kind of sleep on honestly yeah Um, that's you get the free with ads movies on youtube which is really cool you know do that absolutely because you know and and that's you know, you brought up the movie trilogy, which is another good point because I'll keep going back to the NHK documentary when people talk about like what saved Gundam because the original Gundam was canceled for low toy sales. It was three things. It was sales of the soundtrack of all things, <laughs> the wow. movie trilogy where, you know, they kind of went back and fixed some things and, yeah. you know, made it more accessible and, you know, the, the merchandise, the, the Gunpla and the, the fanzines that were that were coming out at the time. So, yeah, if we were to look at those, what's interesting is right now, like on Spotify, they have a lot of the officially released albums. If you go into a Target, you can get some model kits. What What's interesting, though, is there's always like the same ones. It's like Wing, yeah, Witch for Mercury, uh, Ariel, Heavy Arms, Shars. Yeah, USA Gundam. Yeah, the USA Gundam. <laughs> but, but then what's cool is then you, if that was the gateway for someone, they'd know, oh, I can go to Hobby Town. Or whatever, and then there's a whole bunch more. You know, it's yeah. so I think like, yeah, in terms of what Bandai has been doing right 
lately, it's uh, putting their games on as many platforms as possible, uh, making them available in the West, um, and then uh, with the Gumpla, getting it from Target is, is pretty cool. And it, I guess the the thing, though, that I just don't understand is what is it that they're picking and choosing and why? Like, why, why was it so long for Cuckoo's Doan's Island to get an official release here and a dub and then there was no mention of the dub anyway. yeah like what, what you know that is really weird because you could watch that you could put that on disney plus in my opinion that that movie is almost like a disney movie and think of people that are then watching that and they're like well where's this all this come from you know I guess other than, you know, Amro's stomping on someone, but you know, the 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 animation's well done, the music, the the kid focus, like you know, it has a good message. Um, but like it, I I I just I think it's weird that yeah, because if people are watching if that was on Netflix, then people would be like, Oh, I need to watch the rest of Amaro's adventures, you know. Um Yeah, yeah I'm uh, with you on that for sure. Yeah. Um and, and credit where it's due, honestly, like uh, the Bandai marketing team, one thing that I really do want to give them credit for, you know, shout out to Bandai Dave, is that they do listen to fans. They listen to Gundam fans and, and they engage with them and talk to them and ask right. them what they want. Exactly. Uh, which is, you know, it's very refreshing in what in current marketing culture is, you know, a lot of people in marketing tend to try and sell to people. They try to like mass market, right? Um, but ultimately, especially in the digital age and being on social media, you're really not speaking to a group of people. You're talking to one person one on one. You know, no. when you're when you send out a tweet, you have to think you're not talking to a billion people. What you're doing is you're sending out a tweet to one person. And if you can't convince that one person to engage with your product, then, you know, you're we talk a lot about authenticity. And and that's where I think, you know, um, where Dave Edmondson and, and Bandai are really authentic because they, mm -hmm. they talk to individual Gundam fans, which yeah. is really cool. No, it is. And so that's, that's an interesting point, you know, to kind of wrap this up is like, it's weird where we'll see the gaps where it could be marketed better, but there are passionate employees or influencers in the United States working with Bandai that are trying you know, and so at the end of the day, there is a push, which for Mercury could be the way for Bandai Japan to understand that because it's been getting so popular. Um, one thing I remember, I Goose surprised. is saying they okay. did, uh, Goose is saying they did SD because of license issues. And now I've heard that before, but I haven't found anything that confirms that only because look at Gundam Evolution. That has a bunch yeah. of different, and it's not SD. Which That's would actually those, uh, be funny. Gundam if... disinfo. <laughs> yeah. No. So Goose, if you have any more information on that, yeah, let let me know. Honestly, and what were you going to say? Me a great idea. Uh, What's that? We should we should start a Twitter account called Gundam disinfo, which is oh. like all of the Gundam rumors <laughs> that are never verified. Yeah. That like <laughs> that would be a good idea. You know, especially the stuff about Tomino that is said a lot about. Um, yeah, other things. Yeah, that's that's a pretty Internet good idea. Rumors spread like wildfire. Um. But yeah, anyway, that's a neat little talk on, you know, how they're marketing Gundam. You know, I think they're at the end of the day, it's it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, we're seeing it a lot. The Internet has really helped with that. Um, 
and they're trying. So, and, and I think in 10, 15 years time, what you, what you're going to see is there's probably going to be like a G witch movie that comes out that people are just as excited about as the people that are excited for the seed movie that's coming out. You know, mm. it's like, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. That, and that's a good idea to do that. Take from the well from of nostalgia, you know? Uh, yeah. That's why I really do think there's going to be another Zack Snyder Superman in like 20 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Um, but no, I'm going to move on real quick. Um, you know what? Uh, hold on a second. I didn't actually get... Oh, there we go. I was about to say, I didn't have you on this, but there you are now. Let me uh, move that over. Um, okay, I'm going to switch this to share... So you can see it. Um, oh, let me get that big right there. Okay, there we go. Okay. Um, GPO2, uh, another, you never know what suit they're going to release. It's always pretty crazy. Uh, but they've got this um, uh, Giradoga Kai, which, yeah, the Giradoga, that's kind of a cool, I always love it. It's like the evolution of the Zakus, you know, like, yeah what we expect from that grunt style mass production suit. So they got the Kai, you know, on the surface, kind of unremarkable. Um, I, you know, uh, but so I wanted to look it up. Um, and so this is featured in Shars counter attack, uh, mobile suit variation. So it's one of those where, yeah, it's not in the animation necessarily, but it's actually, um, you know, part of the lore of like the suits that were developed at the time. Yeah. Um, the the one crazy thing that I found from this is what it was last seen in UC120. And that was in 120, the Federation, I guess, was just taking whatever high-performing suits they had uh, that they could get their hands on and just kind of use them. Um, and so that's like a, an example of, um, of that. Let's see. So it's based on the Giradoga. And it was developed as a high-performance machine for commanders. That makes sense. Um, it has a movable frame like the Giradoga. Um, but the material for the armor was changed to Gundarium alloy. So does that make it a Gundam? Does that make it a... <laughs> I don't no know. V-fin. I don't know. <laughs> no V-Fin. Yeah, no V-Fin. But no, that's Actually, pretty no interesting. Actually, Horn either, which is interesting. For, yeah, for instead it's got Xeon like this... Commanding unit. It- it's got like this bucket head, which I guess could be kind of like uh, a World War II, more of the World War II style hats. I don't know the terms for any of that stuff, but you know the Nazi hats. Yeah, they're German. By... Yeah, That's yeah. Aesthetic. So, um, let's see what's some else going on. So it increased its strength by forty percent. So that that's pretty powerful for that time period. I can see why it would last until one twenty. Beam sword axe so not a beam axe but a beam sword axe shield beam machine gun grenade launcher shield and it uses so it used a jagan shield which is pretty interesting in uc120 um let's see and it was developed simultaneously with the giradoga saikamu system test type and i don't even know about that oh that almost looks like the the yak dogas uh yeah, developed into. Oh, so that's what led to that. Oh, I always love it when I find those connective lines. Yeah. So, well, because I believe it's also been referred to as the Psycho Doga. Is that, I think, or that might be a, a totally different suit. But interesting. Yeah, because it doesn't say here. 
And that would make sense. Um, oh, yeah, I see uh, Travis and Chaz saying it looks like a Psycho Doga. I yeah. think that they kind of use those names interchangeably with the with the Psychomu test type gear. Yeah, because yeah, it's interesting because that then developed into the Sazabi prototype. So, interesting. Um, okay, so th they planned to mass produce this, um, but I guess the Alpha Zero... Uh, development kind of stalled that, um, yeah, which that didn't imagine. work out. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was going to see if they had a shot of it with the um, Jagan shield, but I guess not. That must be... Um, where, where was that at? So it was just in the, the Gundam F90 manga, which that would be something I'd love to get into sometime to learn more about that time period because that's really where... The Zeons sort of, uh, Neo-Zeon, whatever, the remnants are just kind of done, except for what went to, like, either Jupiter or Mars. So Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that really does kind of mark the end of the Zeon faction uh, in UC. Oh, there we go with the shield on that, it's yeah, like, on this yeah, card yeah. here. You know, and I love that's stuff like the gear. What's that? That's an interesting colorway because it's, looks yeah. like it's been repainted and... So that would be cool to get that, yeah, official look of if that's what the Federation did. They even recolored it. I mean, because I love the the sort of Zaku evolution that you see through all of UC Gundam. Like how there's always the main grunt suit of Zeon, even if it's not Zeon. Like, you know, with the Messer being more of, you know, just another faction. It still has some like spikes uh, or a, a curvature to it. You know, yeah. um, or the Titans with the Hyzak, you know, it's always got to have oh, yeah. a mono eye. It's got to have a green variant. Well, we don't have a green messer. There needs to be a green messer. Yeah, right? that's yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if we'll see that. Um, but and then, yeah, looking back at the one that's in GBO2 then. So it's a general that's 550, which seems lower than I would. But it's level one. So that means they it could go up pretty high, though, if they have other versions that come out. Um, let's see, can be using ground and space. Um, seems like there's a oh, video of it here. Let me, uh, yeah, just showing it, doing it shooty shooty. It's got some missiles. It's got a forward stab. You know, and that's the thing in GBO2, I rarely use Xeon suits. I, I don't know what it is. It's, uh, but, um, and then, uh, that's a cool Xeon pilot uniform. Neo Zeon. I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Very reminiscent of like Gune's uniform, but then like oh, recolored. Yeah, because yeah, of the, the collar and the, the neck part. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. Um so yeah, I'm probably not gonna roll for this, but I think it's kind of cool to uh, for me, just it's another Zaku type mobile suit that lasted until one twenty, UC see one twenty. So yeah. Um, yeah. um Cool. Let me head back to this, but um, yeah, I think that just that just about does it for this episode of the Gundam Explained show. Um, yeah, Stephen, thanks for being here as always. Um, no, thank you for having me. This is always a pleasure. Yeah, I know. Like I said, there's no no better way to spend an afternoon than talking Gundam. Yeah, I know, right? I I just can't wait for like more like juicy news to come out, especially like once they start dropping more information on uh, Requiem for Vengeance or something like that, or 
um oh, yeah. i don't know another video game or whatever um but i guess uh, what i like about gbo2 is i can then deep dive into some mobile suits i never really uh talk about anyway but that's true so for those yeah uh, joining yeah um check the links in the descriptions there's tons of links links for the supporters that have supported the channel links to steven's stuff because yeah if you want to get another dose of this you know wednesdays we have our lives um and then yeah if you're interested in you know being a supporter there's all those options there too so um yeah anything else steven is that about it no i think that just about wraps it up this is a good one cool yeah no yeah thanks for everyone uh that joined and yeah if you got any other marketing ideas bandai should do yeah drop them over in the discord um because i think there's always potential there for something so definitely um all right all um yeah i guess we will talk later have a good day